Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time for yet another Movie Mastery episode. I am, of course, John, your host. Also, another host, but not for this. Jeff, over there, right there. Hi, Jeff. Hi there. I'm, I'm not the host of this? No, you are not the host of this. I am. Only me. Oh, man, that's that's a real blow to my... I, I You know, I you know what a, you are? I could have really used a compliment today, and, and here I am getting insults. This is... You're not the host. You're the co-host. This is rough. Okay, well, co-host is still pretty good. Yeah. Do I do I still get to do daytime TV commercials if I want? Can I like endorse gardening products? Uh, not if it goes against the brand. Uh, Here we got you on contract. Damn it. Okay. Fine. So, <laughs> of course, this is the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend and then come back and let you know all about them. This week, we have watched a classic terrible movie that i have seen before but i literally could remember one scene from and i remembered it crystal clear like i could picture it in my head and have it play out but that was the only thing i could remember and the movie is judge dread and the scene is rob schneider talking to judge dread in a prison transport and that's the only thing i could remember of this movie i've never seen this movie and that was the only part i could remember because it's all people did like this movie came out in 1995 i was 15 so people were talking about it but they were just making fun of it because i guess people thought it was lame yeah so all i ever heard the only thing i had referenced in my mind for this movie was i am like that like not like actual sylvester stallone which you know it's hard to do an impression of him that isn't insulting but but uh, i mean literally because his voice is terrible yeah uh, and he should feel bad and it's weird that he's famous but uh (laughs) it's weird that you're famous also your face is weird I, I don't know. It looks like someone's tugging on his lip with a thread from a distance. He's got <laughs> he's got Elvis mouth. Yeah, he's just he's just a little a little off. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so that making fun of him saying uh, of Rob Schneider saying I am to to Sylvester Stallone is the only thing that was in my head going into this. I had, I had nothing else. The other thing I knew was that the the outfits in the movie were designed designed by Gianni Versace. Which is, of course, being me, the most bisexual thing about the movie that could possibly be remembered by anyone. Ah. Is that, there you go. That the outfits were Versace outfits. Yeah, I had no idea until we sat down to watch this that this was Versace. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that's weird. I knew that going in. I was ready for that factoid. The reason I was surprised during the film is because I didn't think they'd announce it during the opening credits. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do to get that Versace. <laughs> I was I mean, like, they were like, Rob Schneider's in this movie, uh, Jürgen Prochnow, Max von Sydow, Outfits by Gianni Versace. I was like, I, feel like, I really feel like that could be held for the end credits, but no, no, there he is, no, right no. up. Name in glitzy lights. <laughs> uh, which is amazing, given that everything in this looks real bad. I wanted some more clothing stuff, because, you know, the, the outfit that was designed by Gianni Versace was just the Judge Dredd suit, which all it really means is sewn by Gianni Versace because that outfit was from the comics. Yeah. But I wanted to see, like, Rob Schneider's outfit by No Fear. <laughs> that was the problem, is I was like, oh, you've got Versace in here, and yet I'm looking at everyone's outfits, and it just looks like straight up some clothes they found. Oh, well, it looks like they went to a Target in 1995 to buy everyone who isn't a judge's outfit. Yeah, it's so. just like, what do you have? Oh, I've got a black t-shirt. Oh, apparently that's a Versace black t-shirt. Yeah, no, they got that at Target. He's wearing the Paula Poundstone collection. <laughs> uh, oh look at that oversized vest <laughs> that looks real drapey uh so yeah so we've we have watched the movie it is kind of silly 
and there's a lot of dumb crap. We are going to be right back with an actual review of it. Uh, but just to let you know, it's uh, it maybe not as bad as you might have remembered. Or, or what are we doing? The spoiler-free review? What's happening no, right I'm now? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm so unused to this new content format that we're doing for these. No, I know. I've gotten rid of the whole... Uh, like watch the trailer thing. So we're just going to take a pause care. to play music, and that's the only real difference yeah. between now and later. Just, just a pause, just a little pause. Okay. Just like we're <laughs> at the pound, just little pause. We need some kind of delineation between now and then. Yeah. How about will we like this movie? Find out after these words <laughs> from our theme song. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> it's always not. no. Well, there's still a chance that there are people who are like, are they talking about that new Judge Dread movie that came yeah, out in like 2014? Let's go ahead and clarify. This is. Judge Dread, not Dread. Oh, <laughs> damn. I'm sorry. Is this about the Dread Scott case? Yes. This is Judge Dread Scott. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Outfits by Gianni Versace. Oh, wow. Max von Sydow and Jurgen Brocknow. <laughs> and Joan Chen as Judge or as Dread Scott. <laughs> as Judge Dread Scott. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's, let's All right. Let's, let, let, let's, let's be right back. Uh, we'll let you know what the actual movie is right after this. Yeah, he, yeah, he, the cold of swing. is just about ready to do that thing. I don't want no tears. I don't want no lies. Above all, I don't want no alibis. This judge is hip, and that ain't all. He'll give you time if you're big or small. Fall in line or this coat is neat. Peace, brother. Whoa, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Everybody know that he is the judge. any of the judge dread comics have you actually had any sort of like of the base material gone through it anything no they look really bad i mean i'm not i'm not saying that in a mean way or like in because i am the sort of person that's only ever really read marvel and dc stuff yeah and of course my own personal favorites the 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 the, the belgian stuff but i i've seen the, the judge dread in stores and every single one of them is just a picture of judge dread like sneering at the at the reader like that's the cover of every single one of them that has ever been made. There's never an action shot. There's ne- it's all like pinups of him. <laughs> it, it looks like every time I see Judge Dredd, I'm like, oh, is that like is that his swimsuit annual? Because that he has the same look towards the camera that like Storm in a bikini would. I, <laughs> looks like oh, there's man, no- I really want a Judge Dredd with his like ass facing the camera and also then twisting face. around so his chest is out. <laughs> <laughs> Five years. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I have I have no in- I didn't have any interest in the media. It looks terrible. The few times I've seen pictures of it online, it's that kind of Eastman and Laherty black and white sketch stuff inside the actual comics that look that just looks awful. Like it wouldn't hold my attention because the art's terrible. Yeah, I mean, every time I would look at it, it looked very much like it was trying to get across that whole heavy metal vibe, but instead of it doing it in a fun cheeky way, so much of the stuff I saw was like it was taking itself a little too seriously. Well, it's grimy, grimy, grim dark. So it's got that, you know. It's always he. It's one of those comics where I, I mean, maybe in the comics, Judge Dredd is wrong sometimes. Maybe, but Lord knows that's not the impression you get. You get the impression that he's like the specter in terms of like the level of involvement that you're supposed to have with him as the reader. Where you're like, oh well, what's what's the specter story on average? A bad guy does something bad, and the specter visits ironic punishments upon him. There is no threat to the specter at any time because why? How, how could there be? He's just some force of judgment. I, I'm going to go ahead and say this now: the Judge movie, the Dread movie uh, from uh, like 2014, yeah, is fucking really good. Oh yeah, it is. 
It's so good. It's like one of my favorite su- uh, comic book movies. Yeah. Because it's it's streamlined, it's straightforward, it's just, it's the same reason I like Punisher Warzone, even though, admittedly, Punisher Warzone is camp appreciation. <laughs> uh, the reason I like it is because the person who made it, Lexi Alexander, uh, was like, you know what, I'm going to make a, uh, a Punisher movie. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go buy a bunch of Punisher comic books, and then I'm going to put that on screen. Yeah. And that that I love because so many people, especially DC, are so terrified of putting their property on screen as their property. Well, well, that or they have some secondary story they want to tell. Like, the number of times I've seen Superman retold as a Christ allegory, I'm good. I'm all set. Tell us another story. People are always like, ooh, it's such an interesting new vision. Does he love his power, or does his power hate him? And I'm like, no, just have him punch Brainiac. Just, just <laughs> come on, just, just show the people what they want. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, the singer X-Men where you're like, oh boy, here they are in some leather outfits, and they... Uh are nothing like what they would be like in the comics. It's good. Great. I'm glad we're here. Oh, boy. A conversation between Magneto and and uh, Charles. What do you know? Yeah. I just, at least with the newer Dread movie, you're like, okay, you had to put in a few characters just to sort of have someone you could latch on to. Mm-hmm. And they they just completely skipped that in this Judge Dread. So in, in Judge Dread with Sylvester Stallone, Instead of having, like, Stallone be Dread and he's just, I'm Dread all the time, and then you have a side character to view it with, Mm -hmm. you have a side character, but then he immediately takes the helmet off and he's like, hey, everyone, this movie really wants to humanize me and give me a backstory about, like, my brother and my past and my complex relationship with law. Well, it's Carl Urban, right? Yeah, that's the, the the new Dread. And Carl Urban never takes the mask off. Yeah, well, he, that's the whole thing in th- Judge what, Dredd comic books is he is always in costume and he never takes the helmet off. Yeah, well, I would I, I would not have known that because, as we've mentioned, I've never read one. Have you? No, but I know that about it. Okay, so he never takes the helmet off. So that's the thing is the Carl Urban Dredd is like, oh, no, I'm Judge Dredd. This, hel- this helmet stays on. I don't care that I'm a celebrity and technically you need to see my eyes for a contract rule. Yeah, that's because that's what's happening. That's why Spider-Man keeps having his mask ripped off, sometimes just by him, or why in the Keaton Batman movie, at one point he takes his mask off by just tearing it off at the neck. Oh, my God. It's like it's perforated. Yeah, I was like, how, what, why would you do that? He's just like, oh, I need to talk to this girl. Hang on a second. Let me just take my mask and, there we go. None of that. That's ruined anyway. uh, Here we go. There's several thousand dollars worth of molded plastic, and, (laughs) and I had it perforated in case I met a girl. Like, what the hell was that? So in, in that Dread movie with Carl Urban, never happens. But in this movie, it takes about four minutes between when they introduce Judge Dread and when you're looking at all of Stallone's face. Oh, yeah. Well, we get one thing of Dread shows up, and it's during a riot during, like, there's basically just two buildings apparently shooting at each oh, other. because it's a block war. Yeah. And before we get to the to the block war, which I think they say block war 15 times here, uh, I... Can we talk just a second about how this movie is narrated by James Earl Jones? <laughs> I, I'm not narrated, but introduced. Oh, yeah. like, that was so weird. Yeah. I, I didn't remember that. And as soon as it was like, yes, I'm James Earl Jones. Here, let me tell you that in the future, everything outside these megacities is a wasteland. I wanted, I, what I dream could happen, and I know it's impossible because it's a major Hollywood film, is to have him just do some asides like right into the mic. Like, of course, because of the power of these gangs... The police had to be combined into a single unit that works as judge, jury, or sorry, police, jury, and executioner, which they call judges. Oh, for God's sake, this is ridiculous. I, <laughs> I wanted that. <laughs> I was also just going, man, did I forget? Is 
Is he in this movie? I know. Is he going to show up as a judge at some point? No, he's just like Jeremy Irons. You can pay X amount for Jeremy Irons, and then you have to put an extra quarter in the slot if you want him to eat the scenery. Yeah. With James Earl Jones, you have to pay his base rate to get him to show up in the film, to, to have his voice. And then for another quarter, you can put him on screen. Yeah. And they were like, nah, nah we're, we're, out, we're out of money. <laughs> Thanks, though. We spent too much on this Versace. <laughs> so, so, no, you just get James Earl Jones being like, Mega City 1 is the one city in a wasteland of desert chaos. And, of course, there's these judges, and they are the law. Yeah. the uh, And of, we get Schneider introduced, which is, man, so... What we, is he? He's what? the first character we get introduced to. We get the introduction to Judge Dredd's universe through fucking Rob Schneider. So he's apparently some kind of computer hacker who's just been coming back from prison. Because prison in this in the universe of the Judge Dredd films is in Aspen, Colorado. They've built a prison up up there, and, and then they run it. They call it like Mega Prison or something. Yeah, it's just the the Aspen Penal Colony. So he's been there for five years for computer hacking, uh, and he's just now being allowed to finally return home to Mega City One. That's that's the introduction to him. We establish- and of course he gets uh, assigned where to live, and where he is assigned to live is in the middle of this block war. Yes, and he gets assigned like his roommates are like these evil gang members who are like already in the room f- shooting out a window when he gets there. Yeah. So the the introduction of Judge Dredd though is one of the more hilarious things to me because we have some other judges on the scene and they're like we gotta wait for backup, and then it wants to do that. Uh, like that badass introduction where everyone's like, I don't know, what are we going to do? We have to wait for a hero. And then it's like, and here he comes. But with this, it's like, here's a guy getting on a fat bike, just real <laughs> it looks chubby, like, like weekender bike. It looks like a Shriner car with two wheels. Oh my God, it's so big and dumpy looking. It looks like they took the a regular Honda motorcycle and then they cut a power wheel of a police car in half, and then just stapled the two sides onto the either side of the bike. It's basically impossible to look like a badass riding around on one of these things. And so him showing up, and then being in his absolutely ridiculous outfit... I gotta admit, I like the outfit a lot. The outfit is its the right kind of camp for the 90s. His 14-pound shoulder guards, and his, his ridiculous eagle mask, and oh, yeah. so well, on. It's, it's very obviously trying to ride the coattails of batman oh yeah it's trying to ride batman specifically batman returns where where they're willing to send up the the genre just a little bit more yeah and i mean all the buildings and everything in the block war very batman the shots are very batman and when he shows up it's trying to be like introduction of our hero who's a badass and he's just a (laughs) like it's stallone in a weird outfit on a fat bike and he's like (laughs) Hey, everyone, I'm the law. And you're like, oh, well, good. The, good, I'm glad this is happening. Here's the thing. I feel like the director and a lot of the other actors in the movie kind of got that they were making a campy, let's make fun of this in the same way that we make fun of the Adam West Batman era, even though Judge Dredd doesn't have that to go no. back on. Uh, but they were like, well, that's what the popular superhero movie in 1995 is, so we have no choice. We have to do a vaguely campy, vaguely serious thing. And I, I know Judge Dre- or, sorry, Stallone was even involved on the writing of this, because he's always involved in the writing of all of his movies. Hmm. Whether or not he does anything, he likes to think of himself as a writer first. Uh, so, so I, But I don't know if anyone told him we're doing a camp classic, because all of his lines are delivered with utter conviction. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's... Like I was saying before, they wanted Judge Dredd to have like all this pathos and he's got this whole background and a conflicted nature with all of this stuff. And so Stallone is giving all of his lines and he's just like, 
Oh, I, I do. I didn't know my parents. Uh, I had to judge my best friend. Oh, he's he's very tortured about everything, and mm-hmm. everyone else is like, "We, it's Mega City." <laughs> yeah. Let's this, go have fun. Things are dangerous here in the mega city. Let's watch the Reagan Olympics or something. You know, they just <laughs> they just keep making references to like super future eighties, which is what this is supposed to be. So yeah. So, but he d- doesn't do any of that. He's just citing penal codes. But when he shows up, the first thing he does because he, he needs to they need to set up his bad attitude. So there's just bullets being fired from every which way, and he just gets out, walks out to the middle of the street, has his helmet deploy a microphone, and he's like. He just kind of goes, because I don't understand a word he says <laughs> ever. But then he turns around, and, and one of the few things I understand, he kind of chides the other two policemen, that are judges that are there for not being out. Oh, yeah. And he goes, the average range of that particular type of gun is 200 meters, and they are currently located 300 meters away. You're perfectly safe. And I was like, no, I, the effective range is not the actual range. The bullets don't just stop. Yeah, he's like, the kill range is 200 meters. I'm like, yeah, but if, you, if the you're get 300 shot meters range. away, you're still going to be shot. <laughs> it's just so stupid. He's like, you can't get hit. By-. So that's the first time I, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, okay, this is camp because that's so stupid. <laughs> that, that it makes sense that he'd be like, rabbit, rabbit, and it's illegal for those bullets to hit me, so they don't. Yeah, and it would be one thing if I was like, oh, yeah, they're all in, like, super rad armor, and he's like, oh, those bullets will completely do nothing to your armor at, like, 300 meters or whatever, so you're fine. But they're wearing basically just leotards with shoulder pads. Yeah, they've got some They've got some tight janitor outfits on. The only, <laughs> the only thing that makes them... they got speed suits, basically, and the part that makes them into Judge Dredd outfits is the helmet and the shoulder pads. Everything else is just blue jumpsuit with a zipper in the front, so... And, and we know they don't have any, like, armor or anything, because when they the three of them go up with Judge Dredd, Judge Lady, and Rookie who's about to die, mm-hmm. they, they go up into the building, and, of course, Rookie gets shot, and it just blows right through him. Like, oh, okay, great. In the stupidest scene, because the way it works is Judge Dredd walks up to a door just at random, kicks it open, says, like, death, and then just, like, kills everyone in there. And then the rookie goes, I'll get the next room. And he's like, no, do not get the next room. And the guy runs over, kicks open the next room, again at random, and is shot to death. Yeah. So I guess Stallone just knows that he has movie-based invincibility. That's the only thing that's working here. Yeah. I mean, sure, you could say... All right, he's been doing this for way longer, and he's like, oh, look, I know what I'm doing. I can hear whoever's in that room, or I know which room this is, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, all right, I'm going to do everything. And Rookie, I don't know why Rookie is so intent on pushing that door open, but boy, howdy, Wants does he get a big himself. old stomach full of bullet. Yeah, so he gets shot to death by the the gang member contents of the room that also has Rob Schneider in it. Yeah. And uh, Dread basically you starts doing this weird thing where he can talk to his gun i love the the judge gun so like when rookie gets shot his gun goes flying into the room and one of them's like oh i'm gonna fuck him up and they go to grab the gun and he's like oh don't and when he grabs it it kills him yeah and that's the le- whole thing is only judges him. can hold this judge gun yeah the judge gun is dna coded to individual judges and if another judge or non-judge touches it it gives them an electrical shock it just straight murders you you could probably use it if you were wearing gloves or something though but don't worry about that <laughs> i mean really just a pair of rubber gloves would defeat this this technology <laughs> I, I i know it's the, the far future maybe it's super electricity that goes right through rubber hey well maybe if it's like i will attempt to shock you it's like shocking did not work exploding now <laughs> 
That would be rad if it did that. <laughs> it just like, told you. Yeah. It was like, hey, I, I'm going to blow up now. Uh, well, the guns can talk, so maybe it'd be like, please remove gloves. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Shock delivered. <laughs> Idiot. Ha <laughs> ha. Shock delivered. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> I can't believe that worked, <laughs> Wesley. <laughs> but anyway, Judge Dredd can talk to his gun, so he keeps telling it types of ammo throughout the course of this fight. And he's oh, yeah. Like, he's like, okay, automatic, grenade. And then, what what the fuck was the one? Double whammy. Oh, double whammy was the one where he goes in, shoots once, and the bullet splits and hits two people. I was like, and that's great. They're literally standing shoulder to shoulder. So bullet double whammy is if two people or two people who really like each other, or if you know, if they're like sharing a small tent, or or try or trying to win a contest where they can cram as many people as possible into a phone booth. In those specific situations, if you need to kill two of them, you can say double whammy to your gun, man, and then it'll I- shoot two blue lasers. I gotta wonder, how often does this happen in the Judge Dredd universe? Well, in the movie... like, we had to make an entire thing for the gun to do this. <laughs> well, in the movie, once. <laughs> and they keep shooting each other with those guns anyway, so... Oh, God. <laughs> Double whammy. He said... And it creates two tiny, cute little blue lasers to come out. And it just shoots two guys who are, again, basically doing like a Rockettes routine at the time. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are in love. They're, so, they're two guys wearing one shirt and playing a two-headed man for Halloween. They're uh, currently participating in a three-legged race. Any further apart, and the bullets would not have hit both of them. <laughs> Siamese twins is what I'm saying. Uh, so, <laughs> so he kills basically everyone in the room except for like the ringleader guy, and he goes through the whole like... All right, destruction of property, five years, resisting arrest, ten years. And he goes through the whole list, and so he's like, and finally, murder. And he's like, what is that, life? And he goes to shoot him, and he kills him, and just goes, death, you've been judged. He's like, why are, why are you wasting time? Why did you Why did you go through the full list instead of just going, oh, you killed the guy, die. It doesn't make sense, because his whole character is like, well, any time I'm, spe- I'm spending policing this guy, who is a walking corpse, is time I'm not spending solving other crimes right now. So maybe I should just give him a five-minute list of the crimes he's committed before I tell him the only one that's relevant. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and they find, oh when they God. go to leave, Rob Schneider in the spaghetti machine. Yeah, there's a, I mean, we set up what it is. To the movie's credit, there's a brief line where, like, the robot goes zipping by in the hallway earlier, and it's like, like, please enjoy recycled food. I am the food waste machine. It wants you to recycle food. You're supposed to put your recycled food. No, you eat recycled food. No, you're supposed to enjoy recycled food, but it is a food acceptor. (laughs) It's basically a a, a floating around garbage can that takes your food and turns it into recycled food. And what that means. Both. No, I think it's just the one. And, and uh, what, what it means is that everyone on this floor has been throwing away just unsauced spaghetti. Yes, because, because when it opens, <laughs> it's just Rob Schneider with, like, basically a plate of spaghetti on his head, and that's about it. And he's eating spaghetti. But it's unsauced spaghetti. Yeah. And he's just sitting in a pile of spaghetti. He's just got some noodles. He's just sitting in a noodle pile. So and his, his knees are weak. His palms are sweaty. <laughs> There's vomit on Rob Schneider already, and spaghetti. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Because he has tampered with a, like, government robot, oh, it's time to go back to prison. And this, again, is a moment of satire for the movie, where, where he's like, five years for tampering with public... And Schneider's like, but this was literally my only potential option to survive. You could have jumped out the window. Well, I can't... I, but we're 40 stories up. You might have lived. Yeah. So, that's... The, it would have been legal. Okay, great, thanks. Yeah, so that was... Actually, I wonder, do you think that would have been legal? Is suicide legal in Mega City 1? Uh, well, I know it's painless. 
Well, uh, it's painless. <laughs> it was painless during the Vietnam uh, era. Maybe <laughs> we've invented a way to make suicide hurt by this point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then over that, suicide is painful, please. <laughs> suicide is painful. It, it doesn't bring on any lot. changes. <laughs> <laughs> if you kill yourself, you just get arrested. <laughs> Yeah, they arrest the corpse and throw it in Aspen. Whatever. I'm 100% sure that Judge Dredd would be willing to do that. <laughs> Come with me, corpse. Uh, you've been judged. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he sets him up for five years. And uh, we set up another thing about this movie that I find fascinating, which is that these guys in blue suits that are the judges have a whole army of regular police officers who just work for them. Like those black suit guys. I don't understand what's going on with that because they... I mean, it, it seems like they work for the judges, and they kind of are judges, but they're like security guard versions, because yeah, they only like show up to be like, oh, I'm going to be like the guard for whatever, but it looks like they're official. I would understand if they were like, we're hired goons, essentially, yeah, because you definitely get that in Mega City 1, but it just looks like... These guys weren't good enough to be judges, but we're still giving them a gun. Well, they're wearing all black. They, they're like stormtrooper. They're like, yeah, they're all black everything. Yeah. They, they look like they're supposed to be controlling puppets for Avenue Q. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to pay attention to them. They're background guys. Uh. They're, just, they're just motion. But anyway, there's thousands of them. So for every three judges out there on the street, there's like 200 of these random black suit stormtrooper guys just waiting in case someone needs to get taken to jail or something. Yeah. And they swarm anytime something goofy happens. Yeah, so there's... I don't understand what's up with that. There's like a whole sub-police force. So why don't we just train either train them to be judges, or you still have a police force. Which is interesting, because later on in the movie, they have this point where, like, judges are getting picked off, and they're like, oh, we've got... Like, nobody on the street. I'm like, how about you have some of these guys go out there? Maybe do something. I assume they went to less strenuous judge class. Because wasn't there... <laughs> they're like... The weekend warriors of judges. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what... They're in the judge reserves. <laughs> one weekend a month and one week a year, I'm a judge. In the meantime, it helps me pay for college. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. All the guys in these black stormtrooper things are just like, I'm actually a dentist, but I like to be in the reserves. <laughs> My daughter is so proud of me. <laughs> well, I, I, one of the things that they kind of set up when they go back to Judge Academy is that... Uh, if you fail in your judge classes, then you have to go out of Mega City One and, and like die. They're like they're like uh, if you don't succeed at this at this training course, you have to take the long walk long walk outside of Mega City One, which is like we're gonna have to kill you if you don't pass judge class. And man, the people he's teaching in judge class are like twelve year olds, which means how early do you go into judge training? Well, I I assume many many years. Although Judge Dredd is unusual in this you can tell he's like like how the the nova core you know in the marvel universe is like a whole bunch of guys with the same outfit as nova but nova's the superhero one yeah that's kind of the way you feel about judge dread well yeah until they give you know names to some of the other ones but even then he's the only one that gets a cool name because you get uh lady cop is actually judge hershey yeah no get me i'm sure she's a major character in the in the comics or something because no she's just there to give kisses (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, oh, I hate that. Uh, I hate it because it's also true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, she's also there because there's a girl bad guy, so someone needs to beat up the girl bad guy. Yeah, you have to have a fight between two ladies, because otherwise, if the main bad guy was punching la- Lady Judge, it doesn't matter that she's a judge. You'd be like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't. Judge, you can't punch a lady. Well, she did something illegal. Well, yeah, but you can't 
You can't. You just can't punch a lady. You can't do that, man. So anyway, um, so she's in this movie, and then uh, like, everyone else, base every other judge of note, ex- it will die eventually. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing to me how quickly they get to the point where he takes off his helmet, though. Because like right after that Schneider again, mm-hmm. it is the next scene. He's like, and out of my judge outfit, and I'm just alone in a t-shirt. Well, the thing is, the only other time I, I remember having seen both of these actors is when they were both in Dune. So I cannot tell you which one's Jurgen Prochnow and which one's Max von Sydow. <laughs> But one of them is the evil le- leader of judges, and the other one is the good leader of judges. Uh, Sidow is the good leader of judges. All right, so he ends up in a building talking to Max von Sidow as the good leader of judges, and he's like, you know, Sidow's like, oh man, well we're gonna make you come back and teach twenty percent of your time, or teach twenty percent of your time. You're gonna come back and be like the leader of all these rookies and teach them stuff. Yeah, because we want all of these rooks to be as badass as you are, Dread. Yeah, you're so good, and that causes Dread you're to take so off his muscly. helmet. <laughs> yeah. I is there a Sylvester Stallone movie where he's not an egotistical maniac all the way through it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Stop or my mom will shoot. I haven't seen it, but I want to. I want to assume maybe, maybe that one because it's like a, a legitimate comedy. Yeah, because he's like a Steven Seagal. Where, like, every character in the movie has to spend their time, when he's not on screen, talking about him, you know? Like, oh, man, that guy's such a badass. He beat 50 guys in one fight. Yeah, that's the Steven Seagal scene. You get that in every Steven Seagal movie, where, where one of the bad guys hears who they're up against, and they go, not the wolf! You guys don't understand who the wolf is! The wolf killed 40 men in, te- in the Tet Offensive! <laughs> he knows 50 ways to kill you before you hit the ground! Like, they have to have that. Every Steven Seagal movie has that scene, and a lot of the Seagal movies do, too, because he's always playing one of those no-weaknesses-type guys, but he's not as bad. Yeah. Like, in this movie, he's they, they actually do shore up that he is a little too uh, severe. The Well, that's the problem, is the only reason they have Stallone being... Like, oh, my weakness is I'm too dedicated to the law. Is like when someone asks you on a job interview, oh, what's your greatest weakness? Well, I don't know. I'd say I work too much. I'm kind work. of a perfectionist. <laughs> uh, I really put the company before my own needs. <laughs> and that can be a problem for people. Yeah, it's it's so awful. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, like, the main conflict here, uh, Judge Hershey is all up in his business to be like, you know, maybe you should think about extenuating circumstances and maybe the law isn't everything he's like no i i i law i law all the time i law as hard as possible i had one friend once and i lawed him i lawed him real hard i tried not the law once and it was it was awful uh i i tried to fight the law and the law won (laughs) the weirdest thing about that it is a running through through the movie is that it's genetically explained yeah he is like a genetically created super clone? Well, he's the perfect policeman. He is he is the genetic expression of the perfect policeman. They took the best of the like best judges and took their DNA and mashed it all together and they made him the world's most perfect police guy. Which leads me to wonder, if he's the world's most perfect policeman, why doesn't he have a stereotypical 1930s Irish accent? <laughs> oh, boy, oh. <laughs> Where's that? Nothing to see here. Move it along. <laughs> a fiddle-dee-dee. <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> that would make it a way better Judge Dredd. <laughs> that would be the best. But uh, but no, he's, he's like genetically... That's the whole pl- plot of this movie, is that he's... It turns out that he is a genetic 
creation that he was made in the lab to be the world's most ultimate police officer. Yeah, and there were there were two, and the other one was Armand Asante. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is the weirdest story for like the, the the bad guy setup ever. We might as well skip to that. Also, let me just say right now, between Armand Asante and Sylvester Stallone and like Jurgen Prochnow and Max, Max von Sydow, no one is speaking clear English but Hershey. And so every time they're going back and forth like talking to each other the amount of accents and weird speech impediments that they have i'm like i have no idea what's happening right now oh, oh yeah 90 percent of the time conversations just kind of sound like he covered him and then it goes over to judge hershey and she's like hey everyone what's happening isn't this just like super America? Where are you getting these accents? Why? We've all lived in the same country for hundreds of years. Like, everyone's been in the same city forever. We should all be speaking exactly alike. Like, it's probably weird. I'm probably the weird one right now. <laughs> well, you know, people from below the 13th floor talk like this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Judges be all up in the mall talking like this. <laughs> but yeah, it's an accent fest. A lot of this movie is difficult to understand. Yeah. So it turns out that. Um, Armando Sante was uh, Sylvester Stallone's one good friend, and that's the guy he judged and sent to prison. But it turns out that this guy, who was a judge and his friend, was also part of this experiment. Oh, but yeah. He was genetically engineered. This is, this is basically like twins. It's like, oh, you got all the good genes. Yeah. So Stallone got all the, like good cop genes and he got all the criminal genes yeah he's genetically engineered to be the world's most perfect criminal which is a line that's actually in the movie yeah he's so smooth is he he's <laughs> such a smooth criminal but what does that mean criminal is a very nebulous term like and, like does that mean he's really good at like white collar crime as well is he just great at embezzling why does he want to kill a bunch of people why doesn't he just want to commit a bunch of like extremely hard to figure out fraud <laughs> uh he's the perfect criminal and he's just sitting there like making fake passports yeah just doing short sales in the stock market <laughs> he's got a so, lot of insider trading going selling on subprime mortgages <laughs> They'll never catch me because I have too many connections because of genetics. <laughs> ah, my genetics. <laughs> uh, so that's the villain. The world's most perfect criminal. Yeah. Rico. And, uh, Rico Suave ends up breaking out of Aspen prison. Oh my god, the stupidest prison escape. <laughs> the dumbest prison escape, which is this prison has only like voice activated defenses, mm -hmm. which means that the warden when he gets like his throat cut or shot in the throat, he can't give orders to the guns to stop a criminal from escaping. Apparently all the defenses are like, Oh, well, Warden didn't say stop a criminal. Guess it. I guess there's no rule that says a dog can't be warden. Well, it's like, this is how this plays out. Most people in this prison are in prisons, like in cells. Yeah. But Armand Asante is in that Magneto room. You know, he's got a force field around him and a chessboard. Yeah, and, and there's like, oh, we can't bring anything within like 20 meters of him. The kind of room that you can tell is a real pain in the ass because where's he supposed to go to the bathroom and how's food supposed to get in there because he's like on a pedestal? Yeah, he's <laughs> like this tiny little like catwalk that goes out to a circle prison with a force field around Every time it. I see one of them super prisons, I'm like, well, how does that logistically work? Does he just poop where he's standing what he what, he's got books no, i mean it's basically he's got like a little round thing and then it's a bottomless pit below him so i assume he just 
<laughs> shits off the side of but it. But the sides are this the force field. I, uh, maybe he poops through the force field and like poop can go through it. Yeah, may, or maybe he poops onto the force field and the force field just like burns it away. That must be it. Yeah, and so it always kind of smells a little poopy. <laughs> it's just Armando Sante's room, a little poopy. Every, every once a day, a hole opens up in the ceiling and a pizza falls out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's just like my room now. It smells like shit and the pizza is always there. That is one hundred percent my room. <laughs> So the warden, who, by the way, is wearing no fewer than five collars, <laughs> comes because I guess because it's cold, because it's Aspen. So he comes striding in, and he's like, uh, I have to give you this thing that someone gave us. I haven't looked at it at all. It's some kind of package for you. Anyway, I'm going to open up the force field and hand it to you directly, but you won't do anything because I have these guns that respond to my voice. Also, I'm going to open up the force field, hand it to you, not put the force field back up, and not tell the guns to do anything to you if you try to fuck yeah, with I'll, me. I'll just stand around. I've got this under control. Here, here's, here's this package here's, here's that a, I will not inspect. Here's Super Prisoner. Here's a package that has not been inspected in any way, <laughs> which he promptly responds by opening it up, taking a judge badge out, and then turning the package into a gun, which he uses to shoot the warden through the throat. So here's, here's my favorite series of events in the film. Uh, he shoots the warden through the throat. The warden staggers away, tries to order the guns to shoot Armand Asante, which they should be doing anyway already yeah. because they have cameras and stuff. But um, instead, they go, voice not detected, shooting undetected voice. Yeah, they're like, uh, voice not recognized, now shooting. And I'm like, but Armand Asante is talking right now. So you recognize him as a guy you shouldn't oh, shoot? Yeah, because he's gloating at the time. He's like, you can't order your guns to shoot me if you can't talk. <laughs> but the guns are like, shooting new weird voice. We are here. shooting obvious hurt guy. And then it, it just smash cuts back to Mega City 1. And we have no idea how he got out of the still locked catwalk. Because there's still a giant heavy metal door sitting there. I, I wish I could say that's true, but after they cut back to Mega City 1, they cut back again. Guards come running in to investigate the dead guy. He's hanging off the side of the catwalk, and he pops up and kills the guards. But, like, it it's an entire prison and is in Aspen. Like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I, I don't know how he gets to Mega City 1. That never shows up. But the first thing he does when he gets back to Mega City 1 is he talks to the world's stupidest robot. <laughs> he talks to a guy who has, like, a pawn shop that in this pawn shop is a military robot that all it needs to be functional is he kind of pokes it a little. He's like, let me fuck with your brain for a second. All right, now you're a fully functioning war robot. Well, and then he has one of them villain conversations with it where it's like, what is my function? Murder. Murder mode engaged. <laughs> what is my purpose? War. War mode activated. What are my moralities? Let's just keep going. And, and for some reason, this thing's programmed to accept just random villain monologuing as, a, as an appropriate command. Yeah, it's like, hello, random person that has activated me. You are my daddy. All right. I will do as you command. Cry havoc. And let's slip the dogs of war. Crying havoc. Supervillain detected. <laughs> Cliche mode activated. Uh, and You're not so different. You and I. <laughs> Uh, and we find out that he was a judge in this because he picks up a judge gun that mm -hmm. is in the, uh, like the pawn shop place as well. Yeah. Uses it to kill the pawn shop owner. Cause it turns out he is a judge. Oh, but here's the weird thing. I don't think it matters if he's a judge. I think it's only that he's genetically identical to, uh, to Sylvester Stallone. I think that's because the guns are DNA locked. They're not, yeah. they're not judge locked. He has... Armand DeSante is genetically identical to Sylvester Stallone. That's the problem, is he uses this gun, then he, like, dresses up as a judge, because he gets a judge outfit, takes his gun, and he goes and kills one of, like, the major judge guys. Yeah. 
and uh, because it was going to fuck up Procknell's plans. Yes. So he does that in order to uh, implicate Judge Dredd and get him off of the uh, out of the way, and then it also gets Max Van Sydow out of the way. It's this whole thing. But when they go to be like, look, uh, Judge Dredd, there's no possible way you could have done this. None of the evidence that's been given so far can be conclusively said to be him. They're like, oh, but every judge gun, whenever you shoot it, it takes a little bit of your DNA and wraps it around the bullet so that we can test the DNA of every bullet, and it tested positive for Dredd. Does that mean he has little DNA holes in his gloves? Because he's wearing some giant gold lame gloves. Even then, you're like, okay, let's say it does. It just, like, stabs you in the finger when you shoot and takes some of your DNA. That means his DNA is identical to Stallone. Not just like, oh, we're brothers, so it it kind of matches. It is the same. Well, it's got to be slightly different, because one of them is the perfect policeman, (laughs) and the other one is the perfect criminal. So one of them is by the book and the other one zany <laughs> the other one's a big dog turner and dread <laughs> uh stop or my dread will shoot oh uh, yeah it's just sylvester stallone double build <laughs> that would be amazing i would watch that all day all right, so, yeah, it turns out that he has the genetic identical profile to Judge Dredd, even though he looks different and is different. Uh, yeah, I I don't understand how that happened either, because they were supposed to have been made from the exact same DNA and just that grown, so you'd think you'd get just, like, two Stallones. Yeah, you'd probably get two Stallones, but maybe Armand Asante was pushed way up against the front of the thing, so his face got all smushed up, and, and Stallone got his lower lip caught on, like, a tube in there, so it got all hooked downward. Like, I, I have to... I can't imagine it was just like, oh, yeah, we had two different, like, big old tubes of goop. DNA. And they're like, all right, let's let's goop up one, then goop up the other and see what happens. <laughs> I got a big old tube full of DNA, <laughs> ladies. Oh. oh, shit, wait, hang on, it's RNA. <laughs> oh, oh damn it. Damn it, my pickup line won't work now. <laughs> oh, I got a big tube full of RNA, gentlemen. <laughs> ladies hate RNA. They love DNA. It's the weirdest thing. Uh all right, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's why I'm LLRNA is my rapper's name. Ladies love RNA. ribonucleic acid. <laughs> <sighs> so he, tur- it, so it, it works basically. Uh, Armand Asante's evil and Jurgen Prochnow's evil plan works because they sentence Judge Dredd to death, which causes Max von Sydow to execute some secondary clause in the judge bylaws which is just basically the make a wish foundation for a judge that steps down yeah if you retire then your last order is it has to be followed which i feel like that would pretty much damage the judge industry right away like the first time anyone retired and his, his command was like all right i am retiring as a judge is my final order i want you all to go fuck yourselves <laughs> uh, i'm you, like well all right you, you, you gotta do it These eh? <laughs> <laughs> little rules yeah but you know if you're one of the major judges you wouldn't do that because you're a major judge well, his order is, it, it isn't even a good order. He's He would fail at casting a wish spell. Okay. Yeah, he's just like, I want you guys to, to go be easy. lenient yeah. on Judge Dredd. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye. I will not see if you do this. <laughs> I will leave now and leave Mega City 1 and just walk off into the desert because that's what judges do when they retire. Yeah, if you retire as a judge, you just walk into the wasteland. Yeah. which And bring justice to the wasteland. Why? Retired judges would make really useful instructors. Nope. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh, well. Fine. Fair enough. So that means that Proc now now gets to be like the head judge. He is now Judge Supreme. But he does follow the order. Instead of killing Judge Dredd, he sends him to super prison. For life. For life. And 
the weird thing is, when he gets onto the uh, prison transport, it's with Schneider. Now, this has been like three days later. Yeah, he's been in prison, sitting there in not a Judge Dredd outfit for about a third of the movie. Yeah, like, there had to be the next day, because the crime didn't even get committed until the next day. And then he had a whole nother day of going through, like, being in prison and then getting judged. And then the next day, he would be on the transport. Which means it's been like four days since they had someone go out to prison. Yeah, so Schneider's just been sitting there and processing. Well, maybe they don't send the prison transport until they have a full load. <laughs> yeah, they're just hanging out. Well, like, nope, they, we got it. We got a couple more people to squeeze well, in they here. They probably have jail cells. I mean, that's actually how it works with jails and prisons. So I don't, I don't see why not. <laughs> but uh, but no, it is weird that he ends up sitting next to. That that tells me that there's only about twenty five crimes committed a day that aren't death punished in, yeah. in this city. Because I'm like, man, there's there's a like maybe a couple dozen seats on this transport and it is weird that it would be sending out now and it would have both of them right well and all this does is establish once again that other than judge dread judges are real shitty at their jobs because because <laughs> you wouldn't want to sit judge dread next to some guy he arrested a couple of days ago that's dumb also there's like two guys with knives on this airplane yeah guy who like manages to not only have a knife but the restraints they use can be popped open easily by said knife. Yeah, it's like not a big deal. Shouldn't you search these guys like well? You're supposed to be better than policemen. Uh, That's the whole point of judges is that you're better policemen. Like you'd think you would strip these people down and then put them into prison garb and put them on this transport. But no, instead they get to wear their cool bad guy outfits and keep their knives with them that they got in central casting. Yeah, great. Uh, this guy got a fake <laughs> scar, a gold tooth, and a switchblade out of central casting. The guy next to him got one of them horizontal stripy white and black shirts and a bowler hat. <laughs> uh, so the the transport ends up getting shot down in the wasteland, though. By some characters who I believe are in the actual comics. Yeah, so you've got the uh, the wasteland mutant gang, and they're... There's only one mutant, though. It's sad. Well, there, And even he's just a got a messed mutants. up face. Because there's the, the robo guy. Well, yeah, okay, there's... And his name, I think, is Mean Machine. I think he's actually a villain from Judge Dead comic books. Is yeah. Mean Machine, who is a cyborg man. But he was just like, oh, as a baby, he was messed up, so we made him a cyborg. So he's like this more metal-than-man guy. And then you've got their, the dad of the gang, which is a street preacher looking. He looks like Rudger Hauer and Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> uh, and then you got his one useless brother who doesn't do anything, and his rocket launcher brother, who's the only one who still looks like a mutant at all, because he's got, like, like a messed-up face. Yeah, he's got he's got mutant face. He's, he's got, got a, Hills Have Eyes look. Yeah, he's got a little case of Hills Have Eyes, which, whatever, Stallone does that all the time. <laughs> so that gets them captured. They get released because fucking Sidow shows up out of nowhere, and he's like, hey, remember how I went to the wasteland? I'm here. I found you in the middle of fucking nowhere. Your jet flew several hundred miles, but don't worry, it was a short walk. <laughs> I, I, I just had a car out here. Remember, I've been on foot, and you've been flying in a futuristic thing, but I'm here. Whatever. But first, we have Rob Schneider try to wheeze. Oh, because Rob Schneider's the only other survivor of the crash. Yeah, um, great. And, and we do get the scene where he makes fun of Stallone for arresting him. That That's the, the scene that you remember from the film. Yes. It happens right here. The right? only thing I remembered yeah. was him being like, oh... The law's infallible, but you say you're innocent? Well, herpa-derpa-doo, I'm Rob Schneider. I'm going to follow you around for the rest of the movie, and no one will ever understand why. Like, at least for this, you're like, oh, Rob Schneider's following him around. Okay, that's fine. He's in the wasteland. He needs someone to keep him alive. And then they get back into Mega City 1 by, like, going through a fire tube, and he's mostly just following him around trying to figure out how to get back in. Okay, wasteland is a place where you'll probably just die if you're Rob Schneider. 
So again, he's following around Dread to try and get back in. As soon as they get back into Mega City 1, though, Schneider has decided, I am now your sidekick and I will go everywhere with you for no reason. Yeah, it's it, not like, oh, because we're pals now. Well, it's I, Does Judge Dredd require a wisecracking sidekick? Is that a good addition to the Judge Dredd mythos? I feel like the only thing that would be an okay addition to the Judge Dredd mythos, beyond the standard addition of a female judge who is not as good as him, because that's what it is in every movie, <laughs> um, would be like a goat wearing one of the judge helmets. <laughs> oh, Judge Goat. Judge Goat would be the only thing I could see as being an acceptable addition to the Judge Dredd mythos to follow him around. It's just like, <laughs> Judge Goat's really important. He yeah. knows the law. Well, Judge Goat is, of course, the greatest of all time. <laughs> ah, goat. I get it. I get it. It's an acronym. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing is they really Hollywooded up this movie because you have Schneider as his like, uh, sidekick and he's just there to be goofy. Mm -hmm. And then you have Hershey, the judge who, instead of just being here to be like, oh, I'm the like human face of the judges. It's I'm the romance plot. No. Yeah. Which is why Judge Dredd ends this movie with a kiss. Yeah. The (laughs) God, the fact that this movie is like what? Judge Dredd really needs more than anything is a romance subplot and an annoying character who follows him around and cracks wise. You should probably take the helmet off a few times and spend at least half the movie not officially being a judge. Oh, he is not a judge for the vast majority of this movie and only has the helmet on at the beginning and like two other scenes. Yeah, at the very end. He puts it back on. Yeah, he he needs to sneak around at one point in the actual judge uh, like where the center is because he's trying to find out some information. So he dresses back up in the judge outfit and gets his helmet on again. Yeah, he doesn't. he's not really a character. Judge Dredd's like a force of nature type thing. When you're making a Judge Dredd movie, he's an implacable force moving towards justice. He does not need distractions. He does not need a make-out session at the end. It's like adding a love interest for the tornado in Twister. <laughs> Which is weird that they did that, right? <laughs> Poor Holly Hunter. Man. <laughs> I love you, tornado. <laughs> Oh, come on. Not to make fun of her lisp that much. <laughs> oh, that was mean. Oh, oh, poor Holly Hunter. Whatever. She's doing fine. She has, <laughs> she has Batman v Superman money. <laughs> she, she's got that Granny's Peach Tea money. Uh, so, yeah, the, the fact that Judge Dredd gets back into town and while he's been gone, Armando Santi has been just murdering judges oh yeah he he just wanders around sniping judges to death which by the way sets up a thing in this movie where the judges he there's even a scene where stallone is explaining what judges get he's like you get this body armor that's completely bulletproof and he shoots at it with a gun and it doesn't kill anything you get this cool gun you could talk to that does things when you tell it to do the things it changes its ammo type if you pass and then he comes back over and he goes he points at one of them fat shriner bikes and he's like this is the lawmaster 5000 super bike you get this bike if you pass and it can fly, and it's a motorcycle, but can fly, and it's all fat and stupid looking. It's got a, it's got a light and one of those jingle jingle horns you activate with your thumb. Reeling, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> but it, for throughout the course of the movie, judges mostly just use whatever gun is nearby. There's a lot of rocket launchers and shotguns and sniper rifles and stuff. None of which have the you can talk to it, and it is DNA coded to you technology. The the weird thing to me though is. There's all this, like, oh, the, he knows all of the things that the judges would do, and he, he, he knows how to, how to kill them with all of their procedures. I'm like, no, dude, all he does is, like, shoot rockets at them and put bombs on their bike. Like, he's not super villain, like, oh, I know exactly their, their procedure is normally to walk in a file such as this. So if I do whatever, no, it's just, 
What happened? I waited for a judge to show up and I killed them? Yeah. Wow, well, you're certainly a supervillain. It is It is not especially impressive. No. Um, I mean, it is nice to learn that their outfits are technically bulletproof, I guess. I guess. But but anyway, the, the, Stallone, or Judge Dredd, kills all these mutants with a, with a cool fight, uh, and uh, then... Yeah, they, one, they get back into city. Yeah, they uh, get back in safe and Jurgen Proc or sorry, uh, Max von Sydow dies out there. Yeah. So, when they're in the city though, with the all the dead judges, they have the whole scene where it's like, "Oh, we our our, our guys are dead out there. We need more people. We cannot use these dudes in black though." But what not we, yeah, the, not them though. What we can use though is the pro, is the project that created Judge Dread and Evil Dread, the Janus project, which by the way, don't call stuff that. Like, <laughs> ah, Let's don't do it. Look, look, military. Just there's a there's a list of projects that are all. You, you can't call things Project Janus, Project I'm, Gemini. No, no Gemini. No Project. Hefe- I'm going to say uh, no Hades. <laughs> look, if it's a bad Greek or Roman god or allegory or story, why are you naming stuff after it? <laughs> it's just not. People are going to take it over, and it's going to be evil. Oh, Project Bellerophon. <laughs> Bellerophon's not that bad, isn't he? Just a uh, a Pegasus. No, Bellerophon was the uh, he was the guy who killed the Manticore. I thought that was the guy who rode Bellerophon, but okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I the, thought it, the, the Manticore killer was the same guy who also killed the Gorgon. No, no, that Perseus. Was, that wasn't Perseus. Okay, well, whatever. Anyway, Project Perseus is probably okay, but Project Gorgon is a great example, or Project Echidna. Or these, Project Medusa, or yeah, anything like that. These are bad ideas for projects. Janus, in particular, people only know that term as a meaning for what bad guys name their projects. <laughs> <laughs> no, one ever, no one ever talks to them about, about the two-faced god of lying, or whatever he is from Roman mythology. It's just, oh, that's the name of evil projects, it's Project Janus. Yeah, no one's ever like, oh, it's Project Cerberus, also, and it's, it's about fluffy puppies. Also, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, is this project named after the girl Muppet from Doctor's, <laughs> Doctor uh, Tooth and the Electric Teeth or Electric Mayhem or whatever? And they're like, no, it's J-A-N-U-S. It's not Project Janus. Janus. <laughs> <laughs> it's Project Janus from accounting. <laughs> it's named after me? No, it's named after the Roman god of lying and two-faced. Wait, hang on. This was a dumb from idea. Accounting. <laughs> from accounting. Yeah, I'm here, Janus guys. from accounting. <laughs> My parents spelled it weird. Hi. Hi, that's me. They spelled it Janus. Please don't call me J-Anus. <laughs> oh, J-Anus. High school was hard for me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that was the whole scheme. That's what Procknow was really trying to get was uh, this Project Janus opened up because what he really wants is an army of clones that are loyal to him. Right, but he I, I guess he figures he can just turn off the part of the clone project that made, ju- that made Judge Dredd's and just get Rico's. It's, it's weird to me. Because even Judge Dredd brings this up later, but it's like, what what makes you think you're going to be able to control these people? Like, it shat out a Dredd and a Rico. And a Rico. And the Rico's going to kill you as soon as look at you. Yeah, and if you get the Dredd, it's not going to be your loyal super puppet. It's going to be a guy who loves the law. Yeah, your, your choices are your his evil side or his even eviler side. <laughs> which one do you think you're going to be good at controlling? Oh, no, it split him into his two halves. His evil side and his apathetic side. You know, I know that's from the late period of Dren and Stimpy episodes, <laughs> but it's still one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> we have to stop evil Ren. Eh. <laughs> oh, no. He split into evil Ren and even eviler Ren. I love that so much. <laughs> 
but no, you're not. I guess Rigan Proc now was like, well, I'm a bad guy. Ricos are bad guys. We'll get along famously. That's what bad guys are known for. Yeah, if I create an entire army of super badasses, of course they'll listen to me, some chode. <laughs> some guy. They won't kill me. They won't just go out into the world and destroy everything. They'll be my puppets. He should have called the whole thing Project Hubris. Yeah, I'm like, dude, it's not even like he went, oh, yeah, and I've got some weird mental conditioning that happens when I make these clones. It was just, nope, I'm going to make a whole bunch of clones. Hope for the best. Look, guys, Project Hoisted by My Own Petard can't possibly fail. (laughs) Uh, Project Hindsight is going to be perfect, let me tell you. 2020 Hindsight, that's the number of the project. (laughs) Uh, Look, I know we had problems with Project Doomed to Fail, but I've got a good feeling about this one. Uh, Project Inevitable Backfire. <laughs> yeah, the, the the fact that this is his master plan. This is what he needed, because he couldn't unlock the files for Project Janus without like the rest of the council approving it. <laughs> Which, so by the way, had they... to kill Van Sydow, get Armand Asante to kill a whole bunch of judges, and then get like the rest of the council to approve it. And then he had to murder the council because the council doesn't want to go through with it. Yeah. So he gets them all to say they're into it and then he kills them all. And then Rico shows up and kills him. And then and of course, duh, because well, it's project Janice. The weird thing is after he kills them, cause he gets uh, Rico to kill the rest of the judges for him. Mm-hmm. Then he blames it on dread. And I have to wonder if dread didn't break out of prison and come back, who was he going to blame it on? Like, the police would show up, and he'd be in a room full of dead judges, and it would just be him unharmed. What was his plan? He was going to be like, oh, it was uh, ghosts. I think he probably would have felt like he had more time to convince them to do things if he didn't know that Dredd was back in town. So that's what accelerated him into this position. Dredd where he had to is kill back him. in town! <laughs> so, so yeah. the uh, Now that Proc now has been hoisted by his own petard in Project Hubris, Armand Asante is like, look, I got rid of the dumb DNA that you were going to use for this project, and it's just me now. It's just clones of me. I'm making more me's. More Oh, yeah, because we completely skipped over the fact that he has an evil scientist working for him, played by Joan Chen. Yeah, Joan Chen shows up and is like, hey, I'm a scientist. And he's like, you know what you need, scientist? To make a bunch of me's. And she's like, that sounds fine. Whatever, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, she's got, like, no motivation. There's a point where he, like, kind of threatens her. But it's it's like he threatens her and then is like, oh, but... You know, the other judge, he he doesn't care about you. I care about you. And she's like, oh, I'm swayed by that, sure. By the way, you're Asian, right? So you know all that chop sake? And she's like, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes this is still the mid-90s, so every Asian character knows kung fu. It doesn't matter that I am a like brilliant science person that spends all of my time in the lab. Of course I do. Good, because you're going to need to fight that lady judge later, and you're going to need to do a lot of slapping and hair pulling. <laughs> Boy Howdy, is a fight between a scientist and a judge going to go about the same as you would imagine two sorority sisters going at it will? Oh, it is the worst. God, this movie. (laughs) So it turns out that Armand Asante has a secret evil villain base that's in the head of the Statue of Liberty. So so we go there. And now, later, in the Statue of Liberty... Aquaman, check the ocean. <laughs> I'm on it, Black Lightning. That's, that's what's happening. So they go to the Statue of Liberty, which, again, is in the middle of downtown in this movie. Yeah. Um, and and uh, they have a big old rumble. And uh, <laughs> they, they have to fight the robot. And it's the only place where Rob Schneider sort of matters. 
because hey, remember remember the very beginning of the movie where he he's been arrested before for tampering with robots? Eh? Yeah, here's eh? a robot, and then he tampers with it. He and tampers it... with that robot. <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chekhov's robot tamperer. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad that they brought that full circle. <laughs> I'm glad he has an arc. <laughs> he says he can tamper with robots, and then later, he does. <laughs> the Rob Schneider arc is he can tamper with robots, is annoying, and then tampers with robots. <laughs> and then is annoying again. <laughs> that arc, he has learned nothing. <laughs> I think he loves the law a little more by the end of the movie. I think he they learned... hate the law. I hate the law so much. These guys hate the law. <laughs> the final fight between Dread and Rico is underwhelming as well. Oh, it's a sluggy punch. They get their guns knocked out of their hands, and then they both get their helmets off, and then they have themselves a little mano a mano beef stick punch fest. And they just... It's like at least the fight between... Hershey and Lady Scientist, you're like, oh man, they're just like going at it like they have bruises on their faces and they're at least, even if it's kind of ridiculous, at least they're punching each other and going for it. Yeah. The fight between Rico and uh, Dredd is just like, I hit you. I hit you. Okay, nothing happened though. We're just shoving each other. Yeah. They're it's, just... like, it's like a fight with seventh graders well, where they're just pushing each other. Well, I guess it's because they're brothers. I'm a brother, you my brother. Uh, Which, are they really brothers? I mean, I guess they were genetically programmed to think they're brothers, but they're just two goop clones coming out of the same... Well, they've vet, got the like, same genetics. Adjacent vats. They're brothers in the same way that, like, Hank and Dean Venture are brothers. They are brothers in the same way that uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger are brothers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not supposed to... I mean, maybe after they get to know each other, they can learn to like being brothers, which I still don't understand why they do. I feel like if I was Danny DeVito in that situation, I would be eternally pissed off. They are brothers like Liquid Snake and Solid Snake. I don't get that reference. I've never played those games. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> are they brothers like Mario and Luigi are brothers? No, those are actual brothers. <laughs> I think Solid and Liquid are just clones of Big Boss, so they are uh, actually okay. more... That That is a more apt... Uh, that is. metaphor for that that's closer i guess they're brothers in the same way that sonic and evil sonic are brothers in that they are the same person no evil sonic is a robot i think really no, wait, that's oh Metal i'm thinking sonic. Of, yeah no I'm... evil sonic is like there's shadow because uh, there's there's shadow and then there's there's the werehog oh that's right and then there's the one where he's a knight yeah which is just sonic goes into another dimension yeah and then there's several where he's a pinball <laughs> several <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to get in trouble. I think he's technically a, a spin ball. <laughs> yeah. And then there are that's several. It. That's what you're going to get in trouble for this episode. Yeah. People had no problem with anything else we've said. It's misidentifying what you call Sonic the Hedgehog when he is in a pinball which, machine. Which, which one do you think people are going to get angrier about? Something from Sonic the Hedgehog, the game that draws weirdos like a light draws moths? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Judge Dredd, an actual bad movie that is universally acknowledged as such. Uh, you're right. <laughs> so, so there's the the final showdown, and uh, I mean, it happens at the top of the Statue of Liberty, so you can probably guess what happens. Oh, does the villain fall into mist so you don't have to see anything that would make the movie R-rated, but you know he splats real hard eventually? Yes, indeedy. Okay, good. <laughs> I stopped watching. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding. I watched. But and then also uh Joan Chen shows like after our She Armando also Sante, gets like shot off of the Well, she just slumps down and dies where she is. Like I was hoping she'd get shot off. 
but instead she just slumps down and dies in this hole in the head of the Statue of Liberty. And there's a bump on a log on a frog in the hole in the head of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Damn it, if you hadn't said it, I was going to. <laughs> but, but no, uh, so after Armando Sante falls to his death, his henchman shows up and she's like, oh, I'll kill you. And I'm like, and then what? Make clones of yourself? What, what are you hoping to do in this situation? <laughs> what is the plan here? What's your end game, Joan Chen? You should surrender now and offer to like provide like, testimony or, or something. How, like shut down the clone program, which they've got a bunch of juicy clones that they activated and then they never deal with. But she shows up and she's like, oh, I'll kill you. And, and then like she gets killed from behind by yeah. Hershey. And, and then... Then we get to the end of the movie where it's just everyone shows up and it's one of those and everybody stood up and clapped scenes. Oh, yeah, because technically Judge Dredd is still stripped of his title and is, it should be under arrest. But when he comes down, they're like, look, uh, Dredd, we've heard everything. We know what was going on. We know what happened with Rico. And we know that you saved everyone and everyone here loves you and you're you're so amazing. We want you to be the new Justice Supreme. We we want you to just be in charge of everything. The new Justice Supreme, now at Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, Justice Supreme with, with ranch sauce. Seven layers of justice. We want you to be the new Doritos Justice Supreme. <laughs> and he's like, am I under arrest? And they're like, that won't be necessary. Instead, you get medals and a hand job. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to be the new Justice Supreme. I was, I'm a street judge. Always have been. Anyway, goodbye. Which... Come on, man. You you do better work for the law if you are useful enough to teach people. Nope. He is going to go back onto the streets, but before he can do that, it's time for Hershey to give him one last kiss. Gives him a big old kissy kiss. And big then old Hershey his, kiss. Then she puts his helmet on him. And then he drives off into the distance. And Rob Schneider wisecracks as he ta is taken away because, oh, I guess we should have mentioned he got shot. Oh, yeah, he got shot, but no one cares. He gets, it's in the arm. He'll Schneider be Schneider doesn't even care. He'll, he'll live to be Rob Schneider for years and years. <laughs> Unfortunately. He'll, he'll fall in with that Adam Sandler crowd and just disappear into a horde of terrible like Asian accents for some reason. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. Rob Schneider does not die during the filming of this movie. Uh, so there you go. That's that's Judge Dredd. Who, baby? Let's get let's get to our best and worst. I'm, I'm son still here. holding to the fact that this wasn't as bad as I was hope as I figured. Okay. But so we'll, what what was sure. the best thing in this for you? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say that the best thing in this movie is the uh, the, the sequence where they're in the desert and mean robot. Uh, I'm sorry, mean machine. And <laughs> mean robot. <laughs> mean robot. You know we're robot man. <laughs> he has to fight J.J. Abrams logo. <laughs> Mean Robot. Yeah, Mean Robot shows up, and it's just a little red tin can <laughs> guy. Running around in a cornfield. I mean, I know that's bad, Robot. Don't send me any emails. I, 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 I'm already... We haven't even put this episode up, and I've already got 15 emails from angry Sonic people. They just knew. <laughs> well, I, honestly, it's because I spend most of my free time insulting Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> all of it. All of my free time. <laughs> I don't have free time. Because of how much I hate Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> exactly. That's why you have no free time. <laughs> Uh, so my favorite thing is that sequence in the desert, the wasteland where they, cause that's connected to the old comic books. The, the character, the villains look appropriately villainy. It's, it's a break from the boring of just everyone's a judge or an evil judge. And the mean robot is some really, I'm keep calling him mean robot. I know his name is mean machine, but he's mean robot to me, <laughs> but where mean robot has really good practical effects. Like he's he's a, always mean robot to me. <laughs> he'll, he'll hit you with his face in. Has a whole bunch of claws. <laughs> There's a hammer in his forehead. And, and he breaks that... all the laws. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's always mean robot to me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be great if the, the end of this episode was just us doing a improv version of Always a Lady about Mean Machine and then cut. That was it. Well, now people are going to demand that we do it. Nope. You get nothing, audience. <laughs> no, I'll do it. I'll, ever since I made that Weapons of the World song, I've craved the spotlight. <laughs> Crave it. Crave it. Crave it, the hunter. I, so that's my favorite part. I, the, the practical effects that make him into a cyborg are appropriately gruesome and cool looking. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Okay, I can definitely see that. So what was your favorite part? Uh, the best part for me was the... The part at the very beginning where he got to actually be dread for a little bit. I know, but he says the stupidest thing in the world. Oh, I I don't care. It's, I mean, he looks cool. As soon as he gets off his fat bike. Thing lo- is, even then, I'm like, yeah, I can see that happening in the Judge Dread comic. Mm-hmm. Him saying some, like, goofy shit and then murdering people. Those bikes That's fine. Will, those bikes would look appropriate if they didn't have wheels. Yeah, like no, if they, were hovering, if they were actual hover bikes, they, they would, would be fine. They would, be, they would look just fine. They'd be like, oh, I remember those. Those are from like the last level of that Ninja Turtles game on the Super Nintendo. That's fine. <laughs> oh, that's from Battletoads, right? Yeah, No, okay. those are in the water. <laughs> no, I mean, Battletoads hover. Do, are they hovering above water? Because that's a sewer level. No, man. Yeah, that horrible... It's in a bat- cave. That horrible Battletoads level? There's, uh, it's just a cave? You're sure there's no water underneath Yeah, and them. there are ramps... You have to dodge the. There are gaps. Oh man, where if this you is don't a Baron, go down. You go into it. This is a Berenstein Berenstain thing for me right here. No, I dude, I beat that. I I'm one of the few people that sat there for hours memorizing the codes to how to do it. <laughs> well, fair enough. I will bow to your superior Battletoads wisdom. It was it was uh like I, I, pinkish I, I, rock. I'll, I'll admit that the only time I ever really played Battletoads for any length of time is because I had Battletoads and Double Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I never got into, because, man, why you got to put that double dragon in my battle? I know. That's the funny thing about it, is you could play as Zit and one of the other Battletoads, or, you know, Billy or Jimmy Lee. No one plays as Billy or Jimmy Lee. No. So why would you play as that? Why? That's like that Alien versus Predator game they made that had the humans in it, like the two human soldiers and then also two kinds of types of uh, Predator. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That game was rad as hell, first of all, because it had super move controls <laughs> a, in, in, in a side-scroller fighter. <laughs> But why would you pick the humans? Yeah. I mean, probably because one of them had a, it was like a ninja. But <laughs> probably because it was an uh, arcade cabinet with yeah. four, and yeah. two people had already picked the, the Predators, and you're like, ah, oh, damn it, fine. This, this has been us rem- reminiscing about games we can't even name. <laughs> so your favorite part was the... <laughs> <laughs> was, was that beginning part where he actually gets to be dread, he keeps the helmet on, he just murders bad guys and recites laws. I'm like, okay... That's basically dread. You're still bad because you're Stallone. Yeah. But it's fine. I mean, you're, you think he's reciting laws. Well, you know, he's basically saying the laws. <laughs> Four years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that would be my best. What's the what's the worst for you in this? Uh, let's see. I'm going to say the worst thing in this movie is the times where he takes his helmet off without like being stripped of it. Like when he's having conversations with superiors and stuff, and he's like, I'll pop this helmet off so you can see my steely blue eyes. I'm like, no, man. At least stick to the one thing about Judge. I mean, if, you're gonna, if you really need to have your face in the movie because you're a big star, wait for the part where you get banished. Yeah. Just wait it out. Don't be like, yeah, the helmet comes off immediately and it's party time. <laughs> Oh, man. See, that would make it worth it if that was the line. I mean, this movie's campy and stupid, but that's the one thing about Judge Dredd that is a thing about Judge Dredd. The helmet doesn't come off. Yeah. So, for me, the... I mean, I want to say the low point for me is finding out what Procknow's plan was. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. What the fuck are you talking about? What is... 
what is happening here? I mean, he could have just been like, I'll take over by recruiting those dudes in the black stormtrooper outfits. They weigh out number the judges and they're always standing behind them. It's perfect. Or even if he was like, you know what? The current judges are too lenient. What I want is a bunch of like judge dreads out there because I want to bring law and order. And I'm one of those villains that doesn't really think of himself as a villain. But instead, he's just cacklingly evil and is like, I want my own personal army. And somehow cloning Judge Dredd is going to do that. It's kind of a weird choice for the first Judge Dredd movie of a planned franchise. Yeah, it's super weird. I mean, I know why they did it, because it, it, by making it the first plan, the Judge Dredd franchise, it gives you time to introduce Dredd, and then it gives a villain who has the same backstory as Dredd, so you don't have to do two backstories. <laughs> that's why it's the first Judge Dredd movie, but still, it's boring because the villain... Well, it's that, because everything that's a superhero or comic book is, it's our hero and his dark mirror. At the first time, yes. The first movie is always the hero and his dark mirror. Yes. You got Iron Man versus... A, a slightly eviler Iron Man. <laughs> a bigger, eviler you got, Iron you Man. You got Thor versus his brother, a different god. <laughs> An evil god. Yeah, the only one that doesn't flow that way usually is Superman, because evil Supermans take take a while for them to get around to and introduce. Well, even then, his dark mirror is Luthor. It's the mirror of him, which is no powers but super brain. Yeah, but he needs a full backstory of his own. Like, whenever they, when they're like, all right, Batman's villain is the Joker. Batman created the Joker. There we go, set, moving on. Uh, so, yeah, the... The the fact that this plan is just garbage idiocy, I, I don't understand it. And it was, when it was revealed that that was the plan, I went, all right, this is terrible. I don't like anything here. Yeah, well, fair enough. So there you go. Uh, then we'll give our rating out of five for each of us. So the rating out of ten. Jeff, one to five, what are you giving it? I'm giving it a two and a half. Two and a half. A two and a half. It was stupid, and I, I didn't really like it, but it was way better than I thought. I mean, this movie came out in 1995. Yeah, this is this is a few years before like Blade. Even uh, this is like this is, this is like uh, Steel contemporary. It's contemporary with Steel and Batman Forever. Yeah, uh, and Batman Forever is a garbage fire that's on fire forever. <laughs> so, uh. but it's it's I, I expected this to be way worse. I really did, and it's it's not. It held my attention. It was stupid but fun to watch. Yeah. So I mean, it was like it was kind of like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. I mean, man, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles okay. too. Well, I can't say it was like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three because I can't watch that movie. <laughs> I've tried. I'm not allowed. No, it's just I'm unwatch- not allowed within fifty feet of it. <laughs> I had this incident where I kept taking naked pictures of TV- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. <laughs> I have to go around the neighborhood and tell people I did that. <laughs> I'm a turtle pervert. And then they're all like, "You did what?" And I'm like, "Oh no, you know the one, the one where like uh, they go they through go back, time, they go back in time, and, and Casey Jones is in it again, but he doesn't get to do anything. You know that one? Oh, uh, you know when they're samurai, they're right? Sa- and the villain like discovers April O'Neil's tape deck and uses it to pretend to be a wizard. That one, you know that one. That come on, <laughs> guys. <laughs> and they're like, "And you did what with it?" Oh, that's not important. I already said that. <laughs> I've met my legal duties. Good day, sir. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it a two and a half as well. There it is. It, let's give it a five. It is much better than I remembered it being because I remembered it being real bad. Yeah, but it, I mean, don't get us wrong. Oh, here. it it's, is bad. It's bad. Don't cue this up immediately. Don't get smug, snuggly on the couch and bring your friends over. No, this is, it's just watchable. Yeah. It is eminently watchable. Is it raining? Are you a little stoned? <laughs> Judge Dredd won't steer you wrong in those situations. Are you being forced to watch a Stallone movie? Go ahead. If you're being forced to, forced to watch a Stallone movie and you can't watch one of the two or three ones that aren't terrible, like you know, First Blood or uh, the, the, the first couple dis- of Rockies. 
Uh, the the dispensables, the the, the expendables, the, the disposables, the disposables, the uh, the recyclables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you can't watch one of the decent ones, then yeah, sure, go ahead, throw this on, whatever, whatever. If if you're in a house and there's nothing in it, but Bristol Vester Stallone movies. <laughs> if you're in a house and there is nothing in that house but a TV playing Judge Dredd, at least it won't be the worst thing. <laughs> Try using the rooster key to escape, though. <laughs> Uh, there you go, Judge Dredd. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, if you want to give us suggestions, you can go on to Reddit. r slash System Mastery has the Movie Mastery thread in it, and you can make suggestions there. You can go to uh, SystemMasteryPodcast.com, go to our big old list there, and make suggestions in the comments. Yeah, we'll update that someday. Someday. Yeah. Uh, mostly we've just got a list that we are keeping track of and we haven't bothered to update the website. We're horrible. I'm sorry. We We're just, we have just to, the worst. We have to read a lot. Uh, so, uh, or you can just email us, uh, systemmastery at gmail. Mm-hmm. And of course all the Facebook and Twitter were system mastery on that. Yeah. Support us on Patreon. We're system mastery. Buy our t-shirts on TeePublic. We're system mastery. We're everywhere. Just That's... Google system mastery. Oh, Google yeah. system mastery 2020. We get so many responses to that. Also, if, if you go, if you Google pictures of what we look like, we look like John's ham. We look like two John's ham, as it turns out. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> Jeff, John and Jeff from System Mastery. If you Google that, you just get pictures of John Ham. So that's us. We're John's ham. Don't, don't deny it, and don't try to contest it. If you know what we look like, forget. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. We will, of course, be back in a couple weeks. Go on to the website. Vote now for what you want us to watch in theaters. It is neck and neck between Triple X and Underworld right now, but you could change that. Both good choices. I am okay, folks. Keep keep uh, keep this boat sailing. So go ahead, vote for that. And until that point, we will have more content for you on all of our various podcasts. And in two weeks, we will be back with more Movie Mastery. But until then, you have a good one. <laughs>